Oi. 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 You're listening to Until the Kettle Boils, a podcast at sea. All right. I just uh, set the kettle on the stove and lit the fire underneath it. So you know that's time for Until the Kettle Boils. This is going to be our AM edition. It's going to be a little special. We're going to be sitting out on deck today. So again, you know, if there if there is any wind, uh, we do apologize for that. But I'm going to be joined this morning by uh, Yoav Drew. Hey, hey. We got Adam at the helm and Heather if she reemerges from the head. We'll see if Heather comes and joins us again. We'll we'll check the water to see if there's any excrement uh, excrement coming out, and then we know exactly how it says. Um, no need to apologize. I mean, we need to just work with the condition we have, and these conditions are light winds, but we're still doing uh, science operations. We just launched uh, one of our net uh, towing towing protocols, and we also have Ben swimming in the water, cold water, I must say. I don't think it's gonna last more than that. Uh, that noise that you hear is the sail uh, when main. we main. the mainsail. Thank you, Yoav. Uh, when we get some swell, uh, when we take swell to the beam, it rocks the boat side to side, and the sail kind of flaps back and forth, and it's a really ugly sound, and it's definitely not what you want to hear, and a high risk of equipment potentially breaking. So, bear with us. As we are outside again, we're trying to provide you with the most authentic service podcast possible about the Vortex Expedition lifestyle, and uh, here we are. Here so, we are. thank you. So, off our port side, we've got Corbin and Ty in the dinghy, and we've got Ben swimming, maybe about 20 meters away. No clothes on. No clothes on. Yeah, what's the water temperature right now? It's about 20, 20 degrees Celsius. Yeah, it should be around 20, wow. and it's going to get colder and colder. So warm. Yeah, that was the English amongst us enjoying the weather. It's, it's like a, it's like a bath shirtless. out there. It's also like shirtless. And I'm in, in uh, how do you call it, sweatpants? Sweatpants. Because no, it's not warm. I'm in a sweater. And sweater. And a beanie. And a beanie. And a beanie. And an impressive I'm beard. I'm just go uh, About the beard. Josh, about Josh beard. is always shirtless. Because we're, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, well, being there. Uh, Representative of uh, icebreaker uh, clothing. Anyway, let's talk about the beards because yesterday uh, me and Drew and Josh we went through some uh, photos of ourselves from the beginning of this expedition three months ago, and boy oh boy, it looks like we were kids. I think Drew went through the most drastic change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looked like a really like a thirteen-year-old with a peach fuzz. Boys to men. <laughs> I really like, and now you look like a Icelandic fisherman. Oh, <laughs> a that's awesome. Grandfather of like twelve. <laughs> yeah, he's got a thick red beard, a beanie on, a nice wool top, and sweats also. And this look in his eyes that says, "I've seen it all." That's great. Like, I've, seen, I've sailed I've through some ice. Right? I've, sailed, I've seen some ice. I've yeah, mate, you have a great National Geographic portrait picture. Oh yeah. man, well, Moody, good. Beard. Good thing we have our portrait photographer right here <laughs> on the on the mic right now. I'd love to get that portrait anytime. Thank you. Well, let's do a Adam, also known as the Strawhead, apparently, <laughs> uh, has a thick, thick beard that, that, I, that I think you, your your girlfriend, you said, has never seen you with a beard. No, never seen you. She's gonna be shocked. So, be so shocked. is this your first big beard? This is life? the longest this beard has ever gone. Yeah. The only other time I had a beard like this was last year surfing after three weeks. So this has <laughs> exceeded that by so much. It's, it's a big question. Do we shave? When do we shave? 
when do we, ex- do we expose our true... I liked what child. Drew had to say, and he said that you don't shave until you get back home. Because that's, like, that's when, like, the journey is kind of complete, yeah. Yeah? yeah? I agree. It doesn't end until you're, like, yeah, sitting that's... on your favorite couch it's kind of my stance on it all I, I feel like I'm not gonna I'm still the adventure's still rolling until I'm back in Hawaii I, don't know, home. My home I probably still keep like, the beard anyway I, I just think if I've taken the time to grow this masterpiece then it, I deserve to take it to a, a barber shop and have it carefully crafted before see what it really can look like at so its you best you want to pay a guy to not take off your yeah, beard yeah 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 and then you're gonna just trim it with your machine no I'm gonna no. see how well they can make it look before, then make the decision on whether to keep it or not because I think we would, if you were to just shave your head and let your hair grow at the same length all over, you'd just think, oh god, it looks awful. Talk that's about what I do. Uh, that's what I do. Look at me. That's what I do. Talk Side about ball. talk about drastic changes of uh, of your your appearance. look, your appearance. After backpacking through Australia and Indonesia for thirteen months, I got back to to. Uh, Back to Washington with a huge beard and super long hair, and I went to a barber shop to get my hair cut and to get a straight razor shave I love all this. at the same time. And I walked out of there looking probably three years younger and just feeling so uncomfortable. It was so weird. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I went to this barber shop that says it has a sign like yeah, haircuts like like in the old times, kind of nostalgic look to it. He charged me a lot of money. And I thought it was gonna be like a really like this, you know, old guy classic with a razor and all the fragrances and stuff. No, it was just a guy that charged a lot of money to shave you. <laughs> and I did look very, very young. Wow. I haven't. I don't think I've, I've clean shaved. I didn't shave myself clean with a razor. I think twenty years. I'd say. I'm the. Old, I'm really old, by the way. How old are you, Yoav? Good question. That is, I Good don't know question. the answer to that question. Don't you? Uh, I'm, I've been on this planet for 38 years. I can't remember most of them. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> when you try to go back and say, okay, I've done this, I've met this, no. I, the count doesn't come up to 38. I'm, I think do I missed you, like a 10. Do you have a favorite year? And no drugs, it's just like bad memory. Do you have a favorite year? When I was 27, that was 11, 11 years ago. It was amazing. 27 was a great age. I also enjoyed 22. I enjoyed it so much that I kept it for another two years. Um, yeah, 22. 22 and 22. Uh, 27 was amazing. And most of the 30s were pretty good. Not bad. Kind of learned to accept myself, uh, more composure, more uh, self-assurance, more doing what I like. You feel young? You feel like you're young, or you feel like you're just what your age? What do I, you feel? I feel 25. I feel my age. Yeah, you look 52. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel 52. I think that maybe only half the time I might act 52, and half the time I act 20, 23. So it balances out. Good, good average. I feel 25. Yeah. Yeah. Young and perky. Sure, I wouldn't <laughs> ever describe myself as perky. Uh, I think it's hard. Like I've always had to think, like, oh man, you know, what are the, what are the best years of my life? Because like I loved college and things like that. But it does seem like, at least for me, it seems like every single year has been has gotten better. So I've really enjoyed that. 
just like I don't know the older you get more experiences yeah I, I, I more I freedoms I never felt like oh I'm getting old it's worse the only time you feel like um age is when it's different when you meet specific people obviously usually we're talking about girls and there's a big age difference I mean I get along with old kind of ages I've got along with 84 years old and with the well I'd say 14 years old kid but I can't stand them uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly they're pain but I get along most ages but yeah sometimes you get that feeling the difference is the big thing but yourself you just feel like you're your age and thing is I remember when I was a kid 12 13 I felt like I'm an I'm actually a person and I wasn't I wasn't I was a dumb kid I wasn't a whole person really but you know you feel like life is is around you and what you are is 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 it right. and I know it's funny because you don't feel like a kid but when you look at kids you look at them and you say ah, they're kids and teenagers ah, they're teenagers and every time you go one step forward or one step up one step older you look at the step you just left as the the less, the unexperienced, then less knowing. Unless it's only me and you don't do that uh, condescending thing. I don't know. But what's the I mean, average age on this boat? Because you're asking how do you, how old do we feel? Because when I, my experience is you kind of average your collective ages and act appropriate to the most average ages around. So no matter, sometimes if you're surrounded by a group of 24 year olds, let's say, then you kind of, you're the old guy. You know, you, you can either go two ways. You can become the old guy, or you can just join in. You can be infectious. You kind of. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. You yeah. can join in. I find myself consistently associating and making friends with people that are in their late later twenties or early thirties. That's pretty common for for me and my experiences and my jobs that I've had and traveling and stuff. Josh, you have something to say about age differences? Associating? I don't think so. I think I've always hung out, yeah, with the older crowd, like Drew. Um, but you know what they say: age is just a number. Yeah, it's completely true. Yeah. Listen to good old PPOP. Ben's the silliest of us all, and he's the oldest. Yeah, that's true. So that's uh, yeah, age. Age. Uh, let us know what you guys think about age in the comments. How old are you feeling today? Um, yeah, and how old are you feeling today? Uh, so last night we had a bird hit the deck. What was that all about? Oh, yeah. There was a lot of commotion. At one point, the lights turned back on, and it was like midnight. And Yoav is peeking through the window, and yeah, go, he reaches out. his hand out, and then he looks back at me. He's like, "Yeah, I just touched the bird." Dude, that, was, that was messed up, man. I'm like, what? I wanted to hold her gently with my hands and, and put her in safety. If that bird, was why would I do it? Film. It was fluttering that outside be like my window. Some horror film for that bird, just the hand I know it was scary for me to watch up here on the deck. I just <laughs> see Yoav's hand come out in this <laughs> little huge. grin. In By the, the way, Yoav has the like biggest hands. It. Yoav has the biggest hands of anybody I've ever met. He just engulfs this bird, this poor baby bird. It was a little storm. What kind of bird was it? A little storm petrel. Flew into me while I was on watch last did it, night. How did it, Adam? Tell tell us about how it actually landed in the cockpit, because that's what I'm curious about. I was stood where Yoav is, so on the starboard side in the cockpit. I was talking to Ben, who was at the helm, and then it glanced off my shoulder, hit that winch, the, the, the main, and then landed into the in the bottom there, and then it just made its way into that corner. I thought we thought it was a flying fish at first, because we didn't have any lights on. We just thought it hit me. That would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, flyfish fly on board uh, quite quite And then we ended up going on a moral conundrum. An ethical 
Yeah. I, I, uh, yes, picking up, didn't agree dying. with the, the outcome of that moral conundrum. I was very against it, but I knew that my opinions were not going to be heard, so I just removed myself. But I went to bed feeling uncomfortable about it. I knew that it wasn't good, and then in was the morning there was a bird trapped in a box, and I let it go, and as soon as it was out of the box, it flew away. It was just the box restricting it from getting where it wanted to be. So I heard Heather wasn't sure if the bird actually flew away. It, it did. 100% flew away. It started flapping its wings. As it got out of the box. Yeah, and I mean, it might have died for the same reason that caused her to land on the on deck, some sort of exhaustion. But we can also assume that she's rested and well rested, and she's back to her voyages. Ben was at the Unlikely. Helm. Ben's decision was that his brother, being a vet, would that often these birds they when they fly like this, they just need some rest uh, before they can carry on. Obviously, we don't know. We're all speculating, and so. It was put in a, it made, it couldn't get out of the helm cockpit or off the side when it was given a chance. And so Josh then proposed the idea that obviously we're out here collecting marine species and samples. And if the poor little thing were to perish, better on our deck where it could be sent to somewhere like the Smithsonian, like Charles Moore did with the bird they found, to see what is in its contents when it lives in the middle of the Pacific Ocean Crunch. Right, but... Josh, you have anything to say? I like guess my thinking in that is that there's a lot of seabirds out here, and they do see a lot of vessels, big and small. Birds know, like, I don't I, I felt like if the bird is landing on the boat, it's it's for a reason. It's not by accident. We have some lights on. They can see. Um, so if it was rested, then that's all it needs. But, I mean, birds, they're, they're not... They're not meant to be landing on boats, so I assumed that something was wrong with it, and it probably just needed rest. If it flew off this morning, then yeah, that's a real good sign. Yeah, I mean, there could be many reasons. I I think not to mess with it would be the best solution. So just this is kind of liver liver be. I'd like to share my thought process. Okay, so I 100% agree with you that I think that the bird needed rest. I think that Ben was right to assume that. I had no clue how the bird landed here. I didn't ask with Adam. I wasn't here when that happened, so that's good to know. It looked like it could have been injured, but it, at the same time, it was being harassed and it was extremely uncomfortable and having yeah. light shined in its face and people grabbing it. And that is extremely stressful for the animal. And I'm seeing that the animal is trying to get out of here and it's trapped in a corner. So I thought that the best thing to do would be to put it on the deck so that it's free to rest on our deck and it's a calm night. It's not going to fall off on accident. But if it wanted to fly away, it would have the option to. And that's exactly where I put it and exactly where it was when I left the deck. And this morning, when I came out here for my watch at, at 6 a.m., it was trapped in the box and it was struggling and trying to get out and uncomfortable and there against its will. So I tipped the box on its side on the deck and within two minutes it flew away. Okay, I, I, I agree. I think it's, a, it's right. just keep her out of the commotion, but don't overprotect it. Don't build their house and buy clothes. Right. I think originally it was in like a small container. Did it switch to a bigger box? Like it was in like a real like two inch wall I mean, was, type. Put it in a big, uh, big. Uh, it was in like, like a bin. Meter by half a meter box. No, smaller one. A medium box. Okay, medium that's box. maybe more intimidating. Yeah, box is not. Well, frustrations aside. It's good to know that the bird was okay. <laughs> yeah. It made me yeah. feel better. Yeah, it's nice. I didn't like that. That is very good. Yeah. 
but it was exciting. I've never seen a storm like I've never seen a storm petrel until this expedition, and they're one of the most magnificent little birds because their size—they're about the size of a robin, but they're a seabird, so they're probably the smallest open ocean seabird that's out here. That's that lives on the high seas and it's just amazing that a small animal that size can like survive on its own out here so far from land and they have this like really cool white tail white feather patch on the base of their tail and a uh, little sharp hooked beak it's pretty amazing i love it. it was really cool to see it up close i really enjoyed that okay by the way 10 minutes for the net i just checked okay um um, you want to elaborate about the net? What we're doing? What we did? Did we talk about it? Yeah, we haven't really talked about the net too much. But so yeah, we're dragging a net. I mean, we're dragging a net right now. Yes. So we are dragging a net. One of our daily science protocols that we carry out is a microplastic manta net tow. The manta net gets its name because it has these paddles on the side of the net opening that keep it on the surface, allow it to skim the surface of water. It roughly samples about a meter of surface area of water and only 15 centimeters deep into the water column and we tow it for 30 minutes and the then Houston layer yeah just the the Houston layer is what the surface of the water is called where you get small larval organisms algae plankton and uh, and then of course plastic what the man the man-made objects that are not supposed to be here so that's uh, what we do for the manta, and then when we recover the net, we empty the contents, we sort it, sort the contents, we count the plastic, and uh, that's pretty much what we do up to three nets a day, every day. So the, the, the planktonic creatures that we're finding, or the filter feeders we find in our net toes, what do you guys say that have you, what, what experiences have you had with the the uh, interaction between these plastic fragments and when you're observing them in our nets afterwards? No, I'm just any subjective correlation. Very subjective because yeah, I can determine this is anything. But well, definitely we have we we have different kind of uh, planktons here. Be it jellyfish, be it all kind of uh, isopods, be it all um, uh, some sort of algaes uh, and others. It's hard to say because it's all mixed up when we pick it up. I but would we, say, but so we definitely find. Um, that's our deep anchor alarm. It's a regular, it's a regular occurrence. Just no one knows how or why it goes off, but it's there. It's been yeah, that's there a since big mystery. That's a ghost. That's the boat ghost, really. It's about to go off again, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always two. Oh, the oh kettle's boiling. Someone is telling it. Boil. Who who told us this? So that's get some that's a kettle. Yo, I was running downstairs to uh, to turn it off. Uh, this has been an episode on aged birds and manta nets. Uh, this has been the AM edition out on deck in the cockpit. We will see you guys in the PM. Great summary, Josh. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Toodles. You're listening to... Oh, <laughs>